everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. This year's Oscar nominations will be announced Monday morning on March 15th, though before that, the Golden Globes and Critics' Choice Awards have already taken place, so we're here today to discuss a lot of the winners from both ceremonies in the film categories. And joining me to discuss them is the host of his own podcast, titled Best Picture Cast. Please welcome Kieran B. Jeff, how you doing? Happy to be here. I'm excited to talk some uh, some awards with you, man. Uh, hey, me too, and I'm doing good. And how about you? I'm doing as good as I can hope to, man. It's uh, just another beautiful day out here. And before we start, would you mind telling us about your podcast? I host the uh, Best Picture cast, and we go through a different Best Picture winner with a crew of co-hosts, and uh, we really deep dive it. You know, we kind of live in the movie, I go through everything, go through the cast, go through the story, go through the whole process. And uh, each week we, uh, we pick another one until we get to the 92, and then our goal is to kind of rank them all and figure them out from there. Okay, and how many have you done so far? Uh, we are ending our second season, so at the end of the second season, we will be at a full full list of thirty. So we do fifteen mm. a season. So we're about a third of the way there. So it's been uh, it's been fun. We have a, a little group of seventies um, movies coming up that we're excited for to close out the second season. Uh, Annie Hall, The Sting, and The Godfather. So it should be fun. Awesome. Now, are you ready to begin the awards recap? Absolutely. For the categories at the Golden Globes, now, the award for Best Screenplay, which combines both adapted and original and does not divide them into separate categories like the other awards group, the Globes' combined screenplay award went to Aaron Sorkin for the trial of the Chicago 7. Thoughts? I understand it. Uh, That's kind of not a total surprise to me there. It's Aaron Sorkin. You know, you have a little star power there with him. Uh, It's a well-written movie. I was not too surprised when that one came out there. Well, neither am I. I mean, granted, I thought it was going to be one of the biggest locks of the night, which it ended up being. And after all, you know, Sorkin has won two Golden Globes prior to this year for the social network and for Steve Jobs, latter of which was a huge surprise. Yeah, for sure. No big shocker. For Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy Musical, okay, many people were predicting Maria Bakalova to win for Borat's subsequent movie film. I went down on an OM and predicted Michelle Pfeiffer for French Exit, yet the winner ended up being Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot. Yeah, it was good to see uh, Rosamund Pike win for that. You know, I'm a, a big fan of Gone Girl and liked her performance in that, so it was, it was really cool to see her win and you know, that's uh, it's an interesting movie and, a, and a, a cool performance. So, Well, yeah, I was actually finally able to get around to seeing that movie, I believe, a day or so. Yeah, I think it might have been the day before the Globes I watched on Netflix. And I thought the movie was pretty good, though I thought she was great. Absolutely. Totally agree. I'm curious to hear your opinion. Now, I've got a piece about this on Gold Derby. I write about how, you know, okay, so the Globes took place before final nomination voting for the Oscars began. Could you see her being a potential dark horse for a Best Actress nomination? Honestly, the the vibe I'm getting this year from both the lead actress and the supporting actress is that it kind of seems like a whole wild card race. And I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point. And I think that this award here is uh, a sign of that. I, I think you'll get to one of the other supporting actress awards there too, which is another one. So I'm I'm expecting the unexpected here for this year's race. Okay, we shall see. In fact, one point I mentioned is that, you know, unlike last year's Golden Globe winner for actress in motion picture comedy musical, Aquafina for The Farewell, well, sadly did not elevate her chances of getting Oscar nominated. But then again, last season was very truncated. Final Oscar nomination voting ended about a couple days after the Globe. So it was probably too low, too late for her. Whereas this time, well, Rosamund Pike well, at least has the advantage of winning the Globe before nomination voting even begins. So we'll see. For sure. And Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama, not 
too surprising. I mean, I guess some were kind of predicting an upset with Anthony Hopkins for the father, given that he's never won a competitive globe. But I guess we should probably expect to see one of probably a few sweeps this season. Chadwick Boseman winning posthumously for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, uh, it is a great performance from Chadwick Bosman. I'm a big uh, Riz Ahmed fan here. I was pretty blown away by the sound of metal and his performance in that. Him learning the drums and learning sound, sign language and really owning and embodying that role. I, To me, that's where I would have gone with that. And it it looks like it's going to kind of be that clean sweep season. Yeah, the posthumous situation going on with Chadwick Bosman. So it seems like that kind of might be the story of the campaign here. But uh, it, it's certainly a fine performance from Chadwick Bosman. Uh, it was better than I even expected when, when I saw it. And I mentioned this on my predictions episode that, look, even if Chadwick hadn't died, I agreed that he'd still be in this conversation no matter what. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to deny that if you see the movie. Yeah, it's just, uh, just the fact that, you know, he did this movie, you know, being probably one of the few people to know he was with colon cancer and that this might be his last go around that, you know, that just adds layers to it yeah for sure it's an intense performance uh real a real cool uh chemistry to that cast there i enjoyed ma rainey's black bottom uh, quite a bit and uh but to me sound of metal like that performance was just that blew me out of the water uh, you know uh, i mean anthony hopkins in the mix too it's a good crew and it's a, a better crew for uh having a little bit of a lopsided wins that seem to be coming here so it will be interesting if we go into the oscars if it's a chadwick absolute lock and no one expects anything else or if the others are able to gain some ground well, i mean i guess the only upcoming awards group i can see chadwick being vulnerable is bafta given that well anthony hopkins is a brit but i mean then again it is probably a better idea to just keep predicting chadwick twin until he loses somewhere makes sense yeah makes sense and he does have that that story behind what's going on too so now best motion picture comedy musical went to borat's subsequent movie film yes this was a a bit of a it wasn't a surprise in the sense of how the show played out by the time we got there but this is not a a a win i agree with at all um i didn't personally care for the movie i I love the original borat um i thought that was kind of one of the funnier movies i've seen in theaters this one didn't really work totally for me. And I loved Palm Springs and thought Palm Springs was uh, one of the better movies of the year. You know, this I, I was kind of hoping for a Palm Springs, Andy Samberg win here for this award. So I, I, what would you think? Now, I must admit, I have not seen Borat's subsequent movie film pretty much because I actually have never seen the original Borat. It's probably because I was A, too young when it came out in 2006, and B, well, full-fledged comedies aren't usually my personal cup of tea, but that's just me. Yeah, and it's you know not going to be for everyone, but this category kind of usually puts out movies that aren't necessarily for everyone. It's a little bit of a mixed bag, wild card category anyway, but... Yeah, they they loved uh, Borat here, and um, I would have gone Palm Springs for sure. Yeah, I would have been fine with Palm Springs winning, which I did see and enjoyed very much. And in fact, uh, one of my colleagues at Gold Derby, Denton Davidson, actually wrote an article about why he thinks we should look out for Andy Samberg to blown ups in the next category, which we'll get to momentarily. Even though it may not be a traditional movie, but I predicted, you know, Globes were just going to go all in on Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised at all with that. The only thing that I thought that was working against it was that it isn't a true film in the sense that it's a it's a recorded Broadway show. And maybe just getting recognized in the nominees was enough for them for that. They didn't want to necessarily take the next step to giving it the award. But uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if they did go all in on it. Uh, well, I mean, we're not going to be talking about TV categories at Critics' Choice. But, well, at the time of this recording, last night Critics' Choice took place. And Hamilton won Best TV Movie there. So 
Yeah. In any case, now on to a Best Actor in a Motion Picture Comedy Musical, Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat's subsequent movie film. In fact, uh, I should say right away, Best Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture was the first category presented on the Globes, and when Sasha lost there for Trial of the Chicago 7, I thought, okay, either he's winning for Borat's subsequent movie film, or he's going home completely empty-handed. For sure, and it is, you know, a lot of the same thoughts with that one. I mean, I thought that for actor, you know, Andy Samberg could have gotten that one, too. And uh, but as you said just before, I wouldn't have been surprised if Lynn uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda got that award too. Well, Lynn, I did predict would win with Andy Samberg in second place, but of course, it fell flat on my face there. But hey, nobody's perfect. Yeah, you can't nail them all, right? Can't nail them all. <laughs> and in fact, we should say that Sasha Baron Cohen became the first person in history with this win to win two Golden Globes for playing the same character in an original movie and its sequel. I mean, granted, there's Peter O'Toole who won for playing the same character in Beckett and The Lion in Winter, but they were two separate entities. Oh, wow. Barry, that's a very interesting stat. Yeah, it makes it makes sense from the from Sasha Baron Cohen's point and, the, and that category and how that category kind of can struggle to, to find the right nominees each year. So it, it does make some sense that he would take, and take that home twice. Now on to Best Actress in the Motion Picture Drama. Now, okay, when Joaquin Phoenix announced the winner in this category, my immediate thoughts were like, oh, what the F? <laughs> the winner was Andre Day for the United States versus Billy Holiday. Uh, crazy. Absolutely crazy. And this is kind of what I mean is that I'm, I'm expecting the unexpected with these actress races here. And it could go any way. That was probably what I pegged as the fifth place spot. And she took home the win. So, I mean, good for her. It was great. Oh, well, yeah. I had her in fifth place as well. <laughs> yeah. But. That just goes to show you that I think it is a little bit of a wide open race here in both the, the lead actress and the supporting actress categories this year. For last year was just pencil them in because we knew what, what we were getting all the way to the end. Well, yeah, it happens in 2017 as well. Yeah, yeah, good point. Very, very good point. Yeah, and I must admit, I actually haven't seen the United States versus Billy Holiday yet, though I, I do have it on my watch list on Hulu, so I hope to get around to it sometime this week. And from what I heard, well, the movie itself may not be that great, but Andre Day's performance is supposed to be the highlight of it. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen yet either myself. I have it uh, I have it pegged to finish it up before the uh, the Oscars kick in, so mm -hmm. I'm interested to see her, her delivery in that one. Yes. And for Best Motion Picture Drama, it went to, well, the critical favorite, Nomadland, which is, shouldn't be that surprising. Was not surprising for me. Uh, I love, love, love Nomadland. Just totally, uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to see it uh, in theaters. There's, they're doing limited seating uh, for weekends only in, in theaters up here and was just a transcendent experience i just thought it was awesome really really love francis mcdormand in it but i love the directing and and the score and all the all the scenic cinematography it was just a really really nice film and i'm totally on board if it's this year's movie oh yeah we shall see and i must admit i did get to see nomad land i believe back in september through a virtual screening from the new york film festival and while i'm not as enthusiastic about it as I know a lot of people are i still liked and respected the movie a lot yeah so if it continues this trajectory i'm fine with it yeah i agree yeah and, and I, I would get how it wouldn't be for everyone because it is paced kind of differently than than your average your average flick but to me is a, a real nice directed film and i'm on board for this and and probably that next category you're gonna bring up too well now let's get on to the, the exact same categories that are at the golden globes and critics choice and the first award presented at both of them was best supporting actor and both groups went for daniel kaluuya for judas and the black messiah 
A great performance. Was not uh, surprised by this one either. I had this one, I think, pretty much pegged. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to sweep through, too. That's just kind of my sense. Yeah, I mean, again, as I mentioned with Chadwick Boseman earlier, I think it's a good idea to keep predicting Daniel Kaluuya to win until he loses somewhere. Yeah, I think that, that that seems safe at this point. What did you think of Jared Leto's performance in, in Little Things? That's been controversy all over the film Twitter. <laughs> well, I did see Little Things a couple of days before the Golden Globes. And man, it was a joy to sit through. And as for Jared Leto's performance, I honestly do not remember his performance at all. I mean, I remember what his character was supposed to be. And I just did not get how the hell did he get in at SAG? I mean, I can kind of understand Globes because we know the Globes are going to Globe. But SAG? Yeah, right, right. yeah um, I, you know, I actually enjoy the little things. But like that, I think that's like a personal uh, bias. This is I like kind of those early 90s procedurals like Seven and Bone Collector and Along Came the Spider, those type of movies. So I kind of fit into that. As far as like an award-winning movie, I can kind of see how people would be scratching their head. That, I thought Leto did a nice job there of kind of being that ambiguous villain question mark. For me, it was it was fine, you know. But uh, in, in, And again, the Globes will Globe, so you said that well. Well, yeah, I even remember before the Globes, people were concerned about, oh, oh is Jared Leto going to pull an Aaron Taylor-Johnson for Nocturnal Animals, where he just comes out of nowhere and wins the Globe, which, thank God that didn't happen. Yeah, it's it's funny, when someone's included as a nominee, there's always that panic of, oh, what if they win? <laughs> and and that's kind of what's this, where if, in retrospect, oh, they just kind of gave him a nod as a nominee, and, and that's that. But uh, yeah, it was funny watching that unfold. And for Best Original Song, this is where Critics' Choice and Golden Globes both divided on the winner. Like, okay, the Globes surprisingly went for Scene from the Life Ahead, written by the Always the Bridesmaid and never the Bride at the Oscars, Diane Warren. You know how I feel about Diane Warren, Jeff. She's, uh, we got to get her an Oscar. We got to get her an Oscar somehow. Yeah, I mean, we shall see. I mean, it'd be great for her to win. Like, I mean, The Life Ahead was a movie I thought was pretty good, not one of the best movies I've ever seen, but I thought it was pretty good. And one of my favorite parts of it was definitely her end credit song. I thought it was beautiful and really captured the themes of that movie. Yeah, she's a masterful songwriter, uh, an American treasure. And if she wins for this, it may not be as famous as some of the songs that she's written in past movies, but I think it will certainly be well warranted. But this award, I think, is one that, like you said, it, it, was, it went two different ways here for the the critics and the globes and i think it could remain a down to the wire deal right up into the oscars i think it could it's anybody's game this year yeah and we shall see and i'll elaborate a little more on this after we discuss the song winner at critics choice which was speak now from one night in miami yeah and and there wasn't i actually was expecting the her song to win both of these and here we are with the the one one night miami coming in and i get that one too so honestly, I could see any three of those taking home some of these further awards coming coming up ahead down the road. Yes, and well, I mean, Grant, Golden Globes and Critics' Choice don't overlap with the Academy when it comes to best song. But yeah, I agree with you. This is going to be an interesting race. I mean, Diane Warren does have Netflix backing her with The Life Ahead. But then again, you know, Italy did not select that film as its submission for Best International Feature Film. And well, Sophia Loren's kind of looking like a long shot for Best Actress nominee 
elimination. I mean, she could still surprise. We'll see. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Diane Warren is the lone representation for the life ahead, especially in this category. While One Night Miami is looking likely to score more nominations than Song. Like, I have it getting into Best Picture, Supporting Actor for Leslie Odom Jr., who's one of the songwriters that speak now, and Adapted Screenplay. And if it comes down to those two, I'd be more likely to predict Speak Now because it's from a Best Picture nominee, whereas it'd be hard to bet on a lone nominee in this category. Yeah, I think what you would just look at maybe is there, and I know it sometimes is maligned, but giving that that lifetime achievement type of win there for Diane Warren, the Academy sees her name on there and circles it type of deal. I wouldn't discount that. Well, then again, the names of the creative individuals in all below the line categories don't even appear on the ballot. So it is going to be a matter of how much Netflix makes Academy members aware that Diane Warren wrote that song and that she's long overdue. Like, I remember my boss at Gold Derby, Tom O'Neill, was discussing his Oscar predictions in 2015 with Keith Simonton of IMDb. And, you know, Tom was predicting... Diane Warren to win with Lady Gaga for Till It Happens to You from The Hunting Crown, like everyone else. But Keith Sorensen was like, no, I doubt a lot of cat members even saw that movie or even heard of it. And he even brought up how the names of the songwriters don't even appear on the ballots. It's just the name of the song and the movie, nothing else. So he wasn't sure if enough cat members were even aware Lady Gaga co-wrote that song, as well as Diane Warren. And so he predicted the eventual winner, Writings on the Wall from Spectre. Yeah, good point. They're hard to argue with that. I, I think that, you know, you'll question too, are they listening to the song as the song? Or are they just watching the movie? And then if the song struck them as they did it, it's an interesting category. It's always kind of been a, a, a bit of a weird category at the Oscars. And you never always quite know what you're going to get with it. It's like some of the discussions we have in other categories, like best film editing. Like, you know, if it was just the editor's branch voting on the winners in the category last year, we probably would have seen it gone to the Irishman or Parasite. But when you have the entire Academy voting, most of them aren't editors. They tend to lean more towards the most edited movie, which in last year's case was clearly Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, and then you get movies that don't even get the nod that because they're not edited so much. If you look at 1917 and uh, Birdman, which was mm -hmm. the first Best Picture winner to not be nominated for film editing, I think since like Ordinary People in 1980. So it, it, that can be a weird one, too. Exactly right. And, and especially since you would think the editor's branch of the Academy would be the ones most aware how hard it must be to edit a movie that was designed to look like it was done one long continuous shot. Uh, always a head scratcher. We've, we've talked about that one a bunch. I, I, I don't I don't get it. It's Birdman especially because they have to really mask those little cuts that they do do so they, they keep the, the theme really alive there. Yeah, although I do think that in Birdman's case, maybe it was very close to an editing nomination. Probably sixth place as Will Mavity has been hosting a sixth place Oscar polls. What do you think about 1917? Do you think that that was close to? 1917 only got in and won a Critics' Choice, but it might have been too little too late. Whereas if the season was longer, maybe it would have had a better chance of sneaking in there but again final oscar nomination voting had already ended by the time critics choice took place last year so it might have been too little too late good point good point so for best original score both golden globes and critics choice went for soul yes trent reznor atticus ross uh this looks like another potential sweeper uh you have mank there with it and he, they obviously did the score for both both movies. I love the score of both movies. I thought it was awesome. I'm a, I'm a big Trent Reznor fan, though, a big Dine Inch Nails fan from, from back in the day. So he's really taking that little uh, sector of the industry by storm here and, and really crushed it with both those movies. I agree. And, of course, let's not forget John Baptiste's contributions in the Soul score as well. Yeah, and I think that he may be the X factor in why it's Soul over Mank 
and why I think that maybe that'll continue to be the one that, that, that gets the nod. Well, let's not forget, Soul is also a movie about a musician. Definitely. And it's an expansive score, too. It's not They're not just doing one thing. They're doing a lot of different uh, approaches and twists on the genre. So I, I think it's a wonderful score, I do. Uh, I don't know if you've been keeping track of Next Best Picture's recent predictions podcast, but they've mentioned, okay, if Soul gets nominated for Best Original Score at the Oscars, it's clearly winning because we've seen instances like two years ago, First Man won the Globe and Critics' Choice in this category. It was snubbed by the Academy, but then again, that was a movie that was really considered a box office disappointment, underperformed in nominations, where Soul, you know, I mean, granted, it doesn't have as much theater access given the pandemic but still it hasn't been written off as a failure or anything yeah and it's a known entity that has won you know a team that's won before and i think that you know had if they were kind of a new crew coming in that might affect it but i i would be really very surprised if soul doesn't get a nominee for for best score at the oscars me too. And that's for Best Supporting Actress. Okay, Globes really throws a curveball here, and Craig stressed it as well, but at the Golden Globes, people were kind of all over the place where people were, some people were thinking Amanda Seyfried for Mink, some were thinking Olivia Coleman for The Father, some, like me, were predicting Glenn Close for Hillbilly LG, yet the winner was Jodie Foster for The Mauritanian. Who knew? You know, who knew? It looked like she herself was surprised, <laughs> like well, genuinely surprised. I always appreciate seeing stuff like that when the winners look so shocked because you can tell even they did not think they were going to win. Yeah, and especially when we're going off of Zoom and I think she had to like turn her microphone on because she was just expecting to not put her thumbs up and clap. It was cool seeing Jodie Foster win and, and definitely doubly cool seeing both jo- Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins up for awards this year, Jodie Foster winning. If, if Anthony Hopkins won too, you'd have a real flashback to Silence of the Lambs uh, well, territory there, which would have been uh, cool. Well, yeah. In fact, I remember when she won, I was like, oh, I wonder if this could bode well for Anthony Hopkins in his category because, <laughs> well, the Globes, no, they've done that sort of thing. Yeah. In 2015, you know, they kind of gave us a Titanic reunion with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio both winning in their categories. And two years ago, they kind of gave us a Fatal Attraction reunion with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close both winning in their categories. Yeah, yeah. So we almost uh, we almost got it. But And then the other thing that I thought was interesting too, and I know we're not talking about the TV awards, but uh, seeing Jodie Foster win and Gillian Anderson win and getting two 90s female FBI agents with Scully from the X-Files along with Starling uh, from Silence of the Lambs too. Okay, I haven't seen the Martini yet, but I am planning to rent it from Amazon Prime Video and watch it, hopefully as soon as possible. But I do think her win here, okay, probably does elevate her to an Oscar nod at least. I mean, it would be her first nomination since Nell back in 1994. Yeah, it's been a it's been a while for her at the Oscar stage. So would be cool to see. You know, would be cool to see a two time winner. I don't think that she has much of a fighting chance to to win again. But hey, who knows, right? Well, okay. So far in the category of Best Supporting Actress, since the number of Best Picture nominees expanded, we've only had three winners in Best Supporting Actress whose films were not up for Best Picture. Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, Alison Gianni for Aitanya, and Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. And what they all have in common, with the exception of Alicia, her being the anomaly, Alison Gianni and Regina King were both these respective veterans winning their very first Oscars. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I actually... Uh, had predicted Glenn Close in this one too. So uh, I still think she's got a good chance of winning that Oscar. I think we'll see. I would need to see her win SAG first. And granted, this could be like the most wide open best supporting actress race we've had since 2007. Yeah, it's it's true. And, you know, these sort of things, you know, you say it's never happened and then it happens and you go, well, here we go. You know, there's, there's, there's always those little marks in history. As for Critics' Choice, their best supporting actress winner was 
well, I guess shouldn't have been that surprising given how well she's done with Critics Awards, but Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film. I mean, I was a little surprised, but again, with this race, I, I think I'm now preparing myself to just, it could go anywhere. Do you, now, do you think that she is in anywhere terms for a lock of, of for an Oscar nod? I'm still not convinced she's going to get nominated because of the snob factor, whereas, well, again, me not having seen any of the Borat movies, I just have to remind myself, Academy members, they're snobs. Like, they're the same group that snubbed Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers last year, as well as Lupita Nyong'o for Us, because, you no, know, despite all the excitement around their performances, they were still written off by Academy members. For lack of snob appeal. Yeah, and I agree. I would I would be pretty surprised to see a movie like Borat carry an acting nomination at the Oscars. That just would that doesn't seem to fit in with their history and what they've put out there. But I mean, again, you know, this is kind of a, a little bit of an odd year, so I wouldn't be blown away by anything I see these days. Yeah, and even if she does get the Oscar nomination, I'm not convinced she's going to win. Certainly not. Certainly not. But you know, we'll see. In fact, I mean, I'm sure some people make the argument, well, Melissa McCarthy managed to get Best Supporting Actress nods for Bridesmaids nine years ago. Yes, but, you know, given that movie also had an original screenplay nomination, it seems like it could have gotten into Best Picture if it was a field of 10 instead of going to the sliding scale for the first time back then. I mean, this is just my opinion personally, but Bridesmaids is a world of a better movie than Borat's subsequent movie film. But I mean, that's my opinion, but I just think that that's a, that's a pretty solid comedy. And while Borat's subsequent movie film dig into to WGA for adapted screenplay, well, let's not forget, it probably benefited from the absences of the father in Nomadland, given that they're not eligible there. Yes, yeah. So I guess moving on to Best Director, Golden Globes and Critics' Choice both went for Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and at the Globes, she became not only first woman of color to have ever won that award, but the first woman to have won it since Barbara Streisand for Yentl back in 1983. At Critics' Choice, she's not only the first woman of color to have won Best Director there, but the first woman to have done so since Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker in 2009. Yes, uh, love it. Absolutely love it. I think it's, again, a wonderfully directed film. She would be my choice all the way through. You know, I wouldn't hate if they recognized Fincher, but I also didn't really care for Mank. So uh, I think that Chloe Zhao deserves it over Fincher here and over some of the others uh, as well. I just thought it was the best directed film out of these ones that were nominated. Yeah, and again, I guess as I mentioned with Chadwick and Daniel, I guess it's a good bet to keep predicting her to win until she loses somewhere. Like, DJ's, I think, is definitely going to be the major telling point. Like, if she wins DJ, then she's good for the Oscar. But if she manages to lose, then it might be telling because in 2010, David Fincher had won the Golden Globe and Critics' Choice for directing The Social Network, and no people thought he was going to go all the way to the Oscars, but DGA chimed in with Tom Hooper for the King's Speech, which then repeated at the Oscars. And same thing happened in 2014, where Richard Linklater won Globes and Critics' Choice for directing Boyhood, but DGA chimed in with Inuritu for Birdman, who then went on to repeat at the Oscars. So you never know. Yeah, that that uh, that 2014 year with Birdman and Boyhood, that was a true tug of war between the critics and the industry. Boyhood went right through all the critic stuff, and that was that was your favorite coming in. And then when the industry got their hands on the awards it went over to the stage friendly uh bird band well industry friendly yes well because yeah, right. it was a movie about show business <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah absolutely i guess we'll discuss a little more about this when we get to best picture but for best actor well no surprise chadwick boseman for marini's black bottom i'm not sure if there's any more we could add that we haven't discussed already from the globes but hey yeah I, again i guess it's safe but to predict 
Chadwick to continue winning until he loses somewhere. Yeah, yeah, good. And, and interesting, where do you think Sound of Metal falls in the Best Picture nominee race? I mean, it, it doesn't seem to have any chance to be a major contender to win, but does it is is it get that 10 spot? It's probably there with, like, The Father and probably uh, Judas and, and the Black Messiah, too, I would think. Well, I actually currently have Sound of Metal getting in along with Judas and the Black Messiah, but, of course, Gold Derby allows us to predict 10 Best Picture nominees, even though mm-hmm. it could be any number. But, hey, thank God we're going back to a full slate of 10 next year. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's too, I'm always in the mind, you know, let give the nods and recognize them, and then, you know, you're going to pick your winner anyway. So I have a feeling that the father could be this year's two popes where, you know, it, it's respected among critics and industry, and, you know, it gets two acting nominations, one of which for Anthony Hopkins, as well as adapted screenplay, but just barely misses on Best Picture. I mean, that's the way I see it right now. That's a very fair comparison. Very fair comparison there. Again, I mean, I think it would have been harder for Sound of Metal to get into a field of five, but since it's more than five, I'd say if it gets in, it's probably a second-tier contender for Best Picture nomination. Right, and the thing that I think that may help it is is I do see it getting a nod for sound, and I think it has a chance for getting film editing as well. So I think with those two, that'll probably lock it in for a nominee, but yeah. we'll, you know, we'll see. And it also get into original screenplay, given its WGA nomination. Yes. And, and speaking of which, best original screenplay, Critics' Choice went to Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. Yeah, uh, I think that that's right made to order for a screenplay award, for sure. It's uh, a cool movie, and, you know, screenplay is always a fun category to see what they what they recognize and what they uh, eventually award. Yeah, and I was very happy to see it win there because it's actually my personal vote for the best original screenplay of the year. So, I mean, I don't know if Emerald Fennell will continue with winning WGA and BAFTA, although I can see WGA going for Sorkin. Well, BAFTA, I can see them going for Emerald Fennell, so we could be in for an interesting race by the time Oscars roll around, but if one of them ends up winning both, then there's your Oscar front runner. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to probably think the Oscars will lean towards Sorkin at the end of the day, but uh, I, I'll be rooting for uh, Promising Young Women here. And then again, you know, Promising Young Women would fit the mold of some recent original screenplay winners. Not all, but some where, you know, where it's kind of seen as the most original movie, like a Get Out or like a Her or something like that. For sure. It's a, Get Out's a great comparison. And Best Adapted Screenplay, well, another one for Chloe Zhao in Nomadland. Again, this it seems like it's going to be a Nomadland type of year here, and I, I I mean, I'm for it. Yeah, and what do you think of this win in particular? Because, well, I know there are some people wondering, well, it doesn't seem like an obvious screenplay winner. I mean, it's not as dialogue-driven, or it's the movie's really more of a directing achievement than a writing achievement. I mean, I definitely still have it winning adapted screenplay. Well, granted, if Chloe Zhao wins director and screenplay, then that's probably a good pinpoint to what's going to happen best picture, because the last film to have won directing and screenplay but lose best picture was Brokeback Mountain back in 2005. I think while it's not a dialogue-driven movie, and it's certainly not carried by actors and actors and going on speeches and monologues. There are moments of really beautiful uh, script in there. And I think those moments are selected super artistically and carefully. And I think that the power in that alone can push it over the top here in a category like this. Well, yeah. Plus, it would fit into a more recent trend where a lot of the times this past decade, you know, if the director has also written the screenplay, that's a good forecast as to what's winning screenplay is if the script has a credit from its director. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's yeah, well said. 
Now, for Best Actress, okay, after whatever the hell happens at Golden Globes, Carrie Mulligan managed to rebound with a win there for Promising Young Woman. Yes, she had a good night, for sure. And I think, I mean, we, we keep saying it here at these action races, uh, you, you can kind of expect the unexpected here. Viola Davis, I had expected her to win at the Critics' Choice. That's the, where I thought they were going, so I probably will keep that prediction for the SAG. But again, you know, I, I guess we'll have to see. Yes, we shall see. I mean, of those three, Carrie Mulligan, Viola Davis, and Frances McDormand at SAG, Viola is the only one whose film is up for Best Ensemble there. But then again, about only three of the Best Actress winners at SAG this past decade were from films that were also nominated for Ensemble. The aforementioned Viola Davis for The Help, Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook, and the other aforementioned Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, and, and you'd, I think you'd probably have to think that Frances McDormand would be a good candidate for SAG to go after as well. But both veteran actresses, both both great performances. And yeah, and previous winners as well. Absolutely. Again, we shall see what happens in that category. Meanwhile, to end this discussion on Critics' Choice, Best Picture went to, no surprise, given that it's the Critics' Sweeper, Nomadland. Yep, there it is again. And, you know, that kind of goes on to your theme of until it loses, you may have to think it's going to it's gonna go all the way. But I, I think it's a fine choice. I, I, I really do. And I don't know that Frances McDormand is going to really get a great look at that Oscar is I think making her three-time winner is something they may think twice about. Just I think Nomadland as a, as a best picture has a great chance, whereas maybe Frances McDormand doesn't have the best chance to win that award at the Oscars. Well, then again, if Nomadland wins best picture at the Oscars, Frances McDormand would still get an Oscar as a producer on the film. Yeah, well, Jeff, good point. Yeah, so she'd still be a three-time winner or four-time if she wins actress. Four, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, four and two in that night. Yeah, and three within the last three years. Yeah. I just look at how how few people have three acting wins, and that's joining an elite list. She'd be a fine member of that elite list, but I, I would wonder if they're going to hesitate to give her a third acting award. Well, yeah, especially since her as good as her performance is in Nomadland, it might be seen as too subtle compared to the work of Viola and Carrie combined. Yeah, they're definitely a drawn-back, reserved performance, but I think a really nice performance. Uh, I, I I really did did love what she did in that, and uh, but I'm also a big fan of Leo and the Revenant. I know people always say that that award was a lifetime achievement award, and he didn't necessarily deserve it. But I, I I like that kind of reserved performance where you're you're playing off of your surroundings. I thought I thought she did a nice job of that. Well, yeah, I liked Leo's performance in The Revenant, too. I mean, I know film Twitter tends to scoff at, you're glad he has an Oscar, but for that, really? But right. look, just be glad they have an Oscar for crying out loud. Exactly. That With a Leo connection, Marty gets that for Departed all the time, too. And again, I, I think Departed's a fine movie, and well, you know, yeah. it deserved that Oscar. Although film Twitter does appear to be bigger fans of The Departed than The Revenant. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be true. That would be true, yeah. As for Nomadland, yeah, it should be interesting to see how the industry awards respond to it moving forward, especially PJ, since that's the only major precursor that, like the Oscars, utilizes a preferential voting system for Best Picture. So it should be interesting to see if Nomadland does well on a preferential ballot, or if that's where we might get slang of, oh, like two years ago, okay, when Roma was the critical favorite, you know, it had Best Director locked up for Alfonso Cuaron. Yet it lost PGA to Green Book, which was probably the one major precursor that signified what was going to happen at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I think that with this preferential system, they're only a few years into using it, I believe, right? Well, haven't they been utilizing it since 2009 or 2011? 
Yeah. So we're still, you know, you're still within a, a decade of it. So I think there's still some room for surprises there within it. It's not like something that's been around for decades and decades. So again, you know, with the preferential voting system, we haven't gotten as many best picture director lineups because again, they utilize two separate voting systems. I mean, years where they did go hand in hand were the Hurt Locker, the King's Speech, the Artist, Birdman, and the shape of water and parasite last year should be interesting to see where we're heading as we move forward in the race but in any case uh, karen i thank you very much for devoting your time to this discussion it was great getting to talk to you about it jeff thanks a lot uh you can follow me on uh on twitter at best picture cast and check us out at the pockets there i had a blast doing this this is a lot of fun thanks for having me on man hey no problem and i was going to ask for those who'd like to keep up with your work where can they find you on the internet but you already answered that question so thank you for that absolutely yeah Tw- twitter instagram facebook we got to get us there at best picture cast all right so thank you again for joining me today kieran this was great cheers jeff thanks If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.